Decarbonizing Canada's economy is a big challenge. And while some sectors have made headway in past decades, others still have work to do. But decarbonizing an industry is even more challenging when it's become politicized. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver, and this is Why. We continue our mini-series on the climate emergency Canada and the world is living through right now. Last episode, we looked at how to electrify the grid as a means to reduce emissions across the country. But unlike other countries where electricity generation is the worst emitter, in Canada, oil and gas puts out the most greenhouse gases. Looking at environment and climate change Canada data from the last 30 years, the oil and gas sector has increased their emissions, both in absolute amounts and as a percentage of Canada's emissions. And that's on top of the recent IPCC report that stated, we're going to increase the average world temperature by one and a half degrees Celsius a decade sooner than predicted, and it could get worse if we don't rapidly decarbonize. So how did we get to this point? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, like, first of all, your, your comment about the IPCC report, um, you know, I think, you know, it, the, the science has been very clear and, and consistent for some time. That's Chris Severson-Baker. I'm the Alberta director for the Embed Institute, and I'm based in Calgary. But the, 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 deliver, like the, the certainty with which scientists are, are sort of delivering their message that we are we are experiencing the negative impacts of climate change right now. We're going to experience them between now and, and, and 2050, even if we do everything that uh, we can to, to reduce emissions in line with um, the, go- you know, the, the goals that, that uh, Canada and the European Union and the United States have set for themselves. Um, you know, it just, that message is just being delivered more forcefully, and, it, and it's kind of hard to accept in some ways that, you know, we're, we're going to experience climate change. Our children are going to experience climate change for most of their lives. Um, and um, uh, what, we, what we're actually trying to do right now is try to prevent it from getting worse than it's already going to be. Um, you know, uh, and, and so one, we're trying to keep the, the planet from warming more than 1.5 degrees as an average global temperature uh, by getting to carbon neutral by 2050 and but that also means you know reducing dramatically emissions you know every year over year between now and then um, and so you and you're absolutely right you know the we've actually made real progress on climate change in, in Canada in some sectors of the economy but that progress has been um, uh, lost in a sense because of growth in emissions from from other sectors so uh, oil and gas and transportation have essentially wiped out the gains in electricity and in, in some other sort of heavy industrial sectors. There's been a little bit of growth in agriculture, a little bit of growth in buildings, but it's really oil and gas and transportation um, that are that have uh, resulted in us, you know, more or less staying the same emission level between, uh, since t- 2005. Even though our electricity sector has uh, has really been decarbonizing quite. Quite rapidly, we've been phasing out coal in Alberta, uh, and every other province has uh, plans in place to, to phase out coal by uh, by 2030. So, um, uh, so in Alberta, um, you know, oil and gas and transportation account for half of, of our emissions, um, and and you know, oil and gas grew by 20 percent um, as a sector between 2005 and 2019 in Alberta, but the oil sands grew, you know, as a subset of oil and gas, grew by 135%. Um, 
and uh, you know, and again, we while we've been made, able to make progress in some sectors of the economy across Canada, now we really have to find a way to to reduce uh, existing sources of emissions fr from oil and gas, uh, and you know, and, and make a significant uh, dent in those emissions by by 2030, and and then of course eliminate the rest of the uh, emissions. Um, by 2050 to meet our targets. I mean, you, you mentioned Alberta, but Alberta isn't the only province that has oil and gas. I noted in your recent uh, All Hands on Deck report uh, that came out in July that uh, your ratings for all of the provinces in which oil and gas seem to operate, which is, uh, or, or have most of their operations, I should say, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland, uh, you've got their, yeah, your transition plan is little or no policy in place and in terms of their methane uh, emissions, they have, uh, what is it, some leadership. Like, this, this isn't just an Alberta problem, is it? No, it's not. I mean, you'll see like the emission profiles of other, the other provinces that have a significant amount of oil and gas in their economy, especially Saskatchewan, uh, you know, or have similar, have a, had a similar um, uh, experience in terms of emissions over the last um, uh, 10 or 15 years, and and so the high, you know the, the the province that has the highest per capita emissions is Saskatchewan, um, mm. because of their uh, oil and gas industry and their um, reliance on coal uh, mm -hmm. as their predominant source of, of electricity in the province. And of course, that's you know the electricity part of is, is set to change, but uh, but oil and gas is still contributing to that. And uh, and then Alberta is the second. Um, you know, greenhouse gas emissions per person in Canada. And that's largely because of, uh, of, the, of the growth in the emissions from the oil and gas industry. The uh, the All Hands on Deck report was our attempt to sort of, uh, you know, because it's, to, you know, if we're, if we're going to reach carbon neutral by 2050, Canada's uh, uh, goal, we, we need all of the, the provinces uh, playing a role um, to help to achieve that, so we want to say, okay, well, which of the provinces have plans? Which of the provinces are are you know actually implementing those plans? Um, and for you know for Alberta, we found that um, Alberta does at the present time does not have a target, does not have a plan to therefore to, to meet that target, and and it is really lacking you know, any kind of real accountability around the climate um, measures that that it has uh, implemented, and and. The problem that this represents for for Alberta is that, you know, we really need to um, we need we really need to be able to attract money to this province for uh, decarbonization of of our industrial sectors, and in order to do that, we need to have a really stable environmental policy environment so that you know so that companies and and, and investors in those companies um, can predict you know if they make an investment, what is that investment going to do over a 5, 10, or 15-year period. And so they want to know what the carbon price is going to be. They want to know what the clean fuel regulation is going to look like. Um, and, and they want to know that, you know, those types of policies are not going to change with every election. And, and having a target and a, a plan that matches that target um, would go a long way to addressing that concern over predictability. Uh, we also need a plan for a time in which the world starts to uh, implement the kinds of policies that 
that they need to meet their climate goals, which will result in a decline in demand for fossil fuels, which will result in a decline in demand for oil and gas from Alberta. So we have to, we need a plan for, you know, how we're going to uh, help communities and individuals adapt to, you know, facilities uh, no longer being in operation, no longer uh, employing workers in the same degree, um, because that's an inevitable uh, consequence of, of the world uh, starting to act on climate change. Chris, there are many different levels of government at play here. What are their responsibilities? And of course, we're in the middle of a federal election. How much can a, a federal government do beyond just promising a transition for jobs lost to the uh, energy transition? Well, first of all, I mean, I think we've, we've been we've been experiencing the painful process of, of jobs uh, being lost in, in, in the Alberta oil patch for quite a number of years now. We've been seeing the level of investment in, in new, uh, you know, mega projects in particular is way down. Um, there really is no plans for further expansion of, of the oil sands. And, and, and that was the, one of the things that employed a lot of workers in, in this province. And 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 then also, I mean, companies have been, you know, faced with very low commodity prices and 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 demands from their shareholders to maximize um, uh, returns on their investments. And so they've been doing a lot of cost cutting measures, and that's resulted in jobs being lost. And so so those things are already happening. Um, um, those kinds of big scale uh, projects and, and other types of investments are are not likely. To return. What may happen, though, is we may see some jobs associated with um, uh, investments in carbon capture uh, at some of the facilities where it makes sense to do that, or in the, you know, in the the, the establishment of a of a of a market for for hydrogen in Alberta um, and, and that sort of thing. So, so some of the there, there may be some opportunities associated with uh, you know the, the the need to start to decarbonize. Um, our industrial sectors. What the federal government uh, can do, and, and, and what they really must do if we're going to meet our climate change ambition, is is to um, invest heavily in every sector of the economy. And you know, so one of the things that were likely that was announced in the federal government's budget was uh, the creation of, of what's called an investment tax credit for carbon capture and storage, recognizing that you know in Canada we have a lot of sort of hard to abate sectors and carbon capture is uh, a technology that would be needed to to decarbonize uh, uh, some of those sources. There's going to be demands on the federal government to to um, go beyond that and, and, and provide even more uh, public funding to decarbonize uh, very expensive you know existing oil sands facilities and at some point they're going to have to make a decision about you know how much makes sense. Uh, and where in the economy, you know, uh, to focus. And obviously, I think everybody would agree, you know, we need to focus on on, on the future economy, you know, the, the kinds of industries that we're going to have for which there's going to be a demand for those products, you know, in 2030 and 2040 and 2050 in a carbon-constrained future and not uh, necessarily try to, uh, you know, keep every oil and gas facility afloat because it, there just simply won't be a demand for that product in the coming years. Chris, what does an ideal policy look like for decarbonizing oil and gas? You mentioned investing in all areas of the economy and incentives for carbon capture and sequestration. Really what we need to do is, is we need to 
is to focus on making emission reductions, you know, investments in, in emission reductions in parts of the oil and gas sector um, where it is, you know, it, it is economic to do so and we can, it can it'll translate into a, a short-term reduction in existing emissions levels. Um, and then we have to prepare for uh, a decline in demand and therefore a decline in the production of oil and gas from other sources. And so uh, methane emissions, you know, are very potent greenhouse gas emissions um, um, and also are the probably the, cheap, the, the most economic emission reductions in the upstream oil and gas sector. So what we need is a very ambitious target um, and we need to... Um, uh, to move as, as quickly as possible on that. And, and the benefit of doing that is that anything that continues, any activity that continues to use natural gas while we're transitioning off of fossil fuels uh, will emit fewer emissions, right? Because right now, you know, when you, when you burn natural gas, not only are you emitting the emissions associated with burning the natural gas, but you're also um, uh, creating emissions upstream of, of, of your use, right? So there's, there's emissions associated with the production of natural gas all the way along the value chain that are really quite significant. So, so we, can sort of, we can address the life cycle emissions of, of natural gas and then, um, um, and then anything that we use natural gas for will be lower emitting. Um, and this includes things like hydrogen. So if we can address the upstream emissions associated with producing natural gas, and then we can convert the, the methane, the natural gas, into hydrogen, which is zero emitting, um, you know, then we, you know, that energy source has now become uh, a low carbon energy source. But if we don't address the upstream emissions associated with the production of natural gas, then it remains, uh, you know, sort of a medium to even possibly a high uh, source of emissions. So that's one area. Yeah, they don't have electric and, planes yet. That's right. And so Alberta <laughs> could provide the world with negative emissions. If we were to develop uh, that technology, and we were able to drive the cost of, of capturing carbon and injecting it into the ground uh, lower. You know? so, and, and I think over time, people are going to become more and more concerned about the sort of what the IPCC report is saying, is that we, you know, we're locked into some pretty uh, awful climate change impacts, the only way to, to actually prevent that from happening for the next 30 years is, is, is to start, you know, in addition to reducing emissions and to, you know, achieving carbon neutrality, is to actually take those historical emissions that we've put up there already out of the atmosphere. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we'll, there'll be more conversations about negative emissions going forward. Wondering uh, what we can look for in terms of pace of change towards a, a carbon neutral um, a society, a carbon neutral country. Um, again, looking at that Environment Canada and Environment and Climate Change Canada data, uh, Canada's emissions in 2019 were around 730 megatons, I believe, of CO2 equivalent. Well, let's take that 730 number, and if we have to get it down to neutral or zero by 2050, if that's our commitment and if that's our goal, should we expect a linear drawdown of, of emissions, or would it likely take a different, um, a, a different shape if you were to plot it out on a graph? I think what we should expect is sort of a wonky staircase downwards. Um, hmm. that, you know, and that's because... Um, well, first of all, 
um, it takes time for for you know between when the policy is announced and when it actually starts to result in a in a change. So, you know, um, the Biden administration and the European Union and even Canada have have all indicated that by 2035 uh, or even earlier in some places, uh, you will not be able to buy an internal combustion engine. Um, you'll have to you know, the only passenger vehicles that will be available for sale new on the market will be an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. And and so as a result, all, all of the major companies have now shifted all of their focus to designing the most, you know, envious um, internal or, uh, electric vehicle. You know, they're things that, that are consumers are going to uh, want to have, must have, you know, uh, whereas in the past they, they were marketing to consumers you know the, the next best uh, internal combustion engine, and but it'll take time for the um, you know for the uptake of, of electric vehicles to really make a significant impact on the demand for transportation fuels. But then once it actually starts to to change, the the change will be significant, and it'll be an an inexorable decline in demand for transportation fuels globally and, mm-hmm. and, and that'll have a big impact on Alberta. So we might have some years here where we're, you know, people are looking at the price of oil and, the, and saying, well, I don't understand. I thought we were supposed to be facing a drop in demand, but, you know, the price of oil is hovering around $70 a barrel. But but that 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 um, effect on demand is is, uh, is in the is coming down the, uh, in the not too distant future. Um, and then we'll start to see you know, step downs as larger, you know, facilities, uh, uh, sources of, of, of oil just simply um, stop producing or, you know, they, you know, they decide not to go ahead with their, uh, their next phase or, or whatever. And because, and this is the kind of thing that we saw with coal plants coming offline. When, when coal plants were, were finally exposed to, um, carbon pricing and a regulation that said, you know, we're going to require coal plants to, to meet a, you know, as good a gas standard or, or go offline, you started to see plants um, making plans for when they would shut down and you end up with this sort of like wonky staircase down of, of emissions associated with power generation in, in well, first in Ontario and then in, in Alberta more recently. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I mean, that, so I think that's what we can sort of expect is, you know, things will sort of feel like they're sort of staying the same and then, and then all of a sudden things will start to, to change quite, quite quickly. Um, but that assumes, of course, that, you know, governments follow through with their plans to implement those policies. And it, it assumes that, you know, there's a willingness on the part of government to actually expose industry to the, the actual impact of the carbon price. This is why it's produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email at thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wear a mask and get vaccinated. We'll see you soon.